Okay, so welcome again. Uh, here we are with the Extended Philosophy Podcast, and uh, today we want to talk about moral relativism. I'm Andy. Hello, I'm Ezekiel. Welcome back. And uh, we want to, so first let me say last week we didn't have one because my microphone was broken and it sounded terrible and so we had to scrap this, but um, we continue from this week on um, to have our normal schedule of every Tuesday having our podcast. And uh, we will go a little more into this relativism thing in the next week also. So today we want to talk a little about the theory of moral relativism and then um, next week we will talk about um examples uh, perhaps like north korea and and how we are supposed to apply the theory to judge you know whether uh, north korea is uh, doing something morally bad or whether it is a um, um, uh, government you know that that is morally bad in some way or whether we can even judge this okay so Ezekiel, what do you what do you say as an introduction to moral relativism Okay, so I, well, relativism generally, I think we should say is this idea that every everything, um, every truth we hold on to is relative to some form of norm, to you know, and that there is no such thing as as one objective norm, but multiple, and whatever we um, think is true is whatever is in accordance with this particular norm. So. That could be the case for languages, for example. Um, you know, in, in linguistics, everything is related to the linguistic norm that is in place. And uh, if we speak right or, you know, uh, or not, it depends on that norm. And then that can be applied to morality as well. So morality is this idea, I mean, relat uh, moral relativism is this idea that um, whatever is moral is related to uh, what a specific society or culture says is, is right or wrong. Yes, and, and this is actually a great um, parallel you made there with language, right? Because mm. we we do have very strict rules about language. So in schools, for example, kids get grades for the correct use of grammar. But nobody would say that um, the rules of language have to be put there by God and they are immutable, but clearly the rules of language yeah. are evolving and uh, they are always different. Mm -hmm. uh, but we agree on something and after we have agreed on it, then this is the right rule. Yeah, and they change as well. Uh, linguistic rules change and when they stop changing, then the language dies like Latin or ancient Greek, right? So, um, yeah, you could, you could try to keep this parallel with morality uh, but maybe things are not the same uh, i don't know that's that's what we'll figure out i think but um, if you're a relativist you may say well just like a language moral norms may evolve with time and they depend on specific societies they're actually the the image of the specific society it uh, it lives within and and they clearly do to some extent right if you look at history the ancient Greeks um, had totally different values than we have about, let's say, the position of women in society or um, the virtues, you know, what is virtuous behavior in war or, or clearly the, the Vikings, you know, would have a totally different uh, opinion on what is honorable mm -hmm. behavior than what we have today in a, 
in a bank's boardroom or something. So it seems that that really these things evolve, or, or even if you think of sexual ethics, right, where uh, even half a century ago, uh, being homosexual was considered to be uh, ungodly and um, morally bad. And um, today, you know, there is no stigma attached to it at all. Um, so in, in mean, some countries, some, while in, in other countries, again, countries, there is, places. right? Yes. Yeah. And um, I mean, you can say that you could have two views. You could say, well, this is just because societies change and there is, it should be a sign. It could be a sign that there is no uh, objective truth about that. Or you could say this is because societies evolve in the direction of progress and the truth and they have, they get more knowledge. So we get maybe closer to the truth. So maybe the fact that societies are more accepting of homosexuality, for example, would be a sign that societies have evolved in the right direction, you know, that we get more knowledge about what is actually true, which is that homosexuality is not morally wrong, right? But that is the objective truth. And, and you know, so, so the evolution a- is not necessarily a sign that things um, are different, that there is no way to judge, but could be also a sign that maybe we do evolve and we do progress in the knowledge we get. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not claiming one or the other, but that could be a way to think about it. Right. That's an interesting point, right? It has it has some, some very um, strange metaphysical connotations in there that, you know, there is some, some reason why the word evolves towards um, its perfect state and there is some ultimate state of affairs to watch which we are evolving. Mm. Um, do we actually have a reason to believe that? I mean, it sounds almost Marxist, right? That you have this ideal society and we are all Hegelian moving towards mostly, yeah. this. Yeah, or Hegelian, right? To this, towards this ideal society. Um, th- this seems even harder to believe, right? I'm a little actually. torn myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of see both happening. You know, in one way, I can't say that the material progress we've made has led to anything better. Obviously, like, you know, uh, capitalism has not necessarily made the world a better place. You may say it has destroyed the planet, made people like quite unhappy, uh, increased uh, inequality and stuff. On the other hand, I do feel like people know more about things. We're generally more educated. And it's a fact Like we people go to university more, they read more books, they know more about the world than they used to. And I also think that some things go in the right direction. Like, you know, we have more consideration for people who may have suffered discrimination. Uh, we care about the environment because, you know, there's just these two things at the same time. So we do care more about the environment, although we have destroyed the planet and, you could think of a, about the, the, um, the case of animal rights, for example. People never cared about animal rights before, and they do now. And I think uh, without necessarily being a strong vegan, you can think it's a good thing that people think about these issues a little more and try to be a little more respectful. So I see these two things happening, really. Um, so I'm not sure what I feel about I, I don't. I'm not... I don't agree with Hegel when he says that, you know, history necessarily goes in the direction of progress. But I do think that there is some um, improvement in, in, you know, in, in some situations, at least. 
But but one could say that the examples you gave are actually at least some of these examples are actually consequences of um, our situation, the situation we find ourselves in, um, which is now a situation in which this destruction has already taken place and now we have to pick up the pieces and try to repair mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And this is why we have this uh, these changing attitudes. So we, we only protect the environment now because the environment now is so destroyed that uh, we have to protect it as a matter of yeah. you know survival, yeah. while a society that lives in a healthy environment doesn't need to protect it because the environment takes care of itself and can bear you know the the let's say bad behavior of a few people. Um, so, so uh, that's why that's why I think there is no linear progression, and that's why I disagree with Hegel. But it's more of a trial and error situation. But I think overall, just like you look at individuals, we do a bit the same. You know, we we grow up, we make mistakes, we learn, we change, we do other things, and we make other mistakes, and we change again. So it's a little bit the same. But I think overall, if we've had a fulfilling, satisfying life, when we die, we know more and we are wiser than we used to be. I mean, that's that's the goal at least. And I feel like maybe as a society could also be the case, but that implies a lot of mistakes in the process. Okay, but are we wiser? I mean, now we, we come into an interesting discussion because what yeah. is the, the actual you know, goal of ethics and you know, moral rules? Is it to make us wiser? Is it to make us happier? Uh, is the goal of society to make us happier or to give us the conditions for happiness? And if this is the case, then we can ask, are we actually happier than people were in the past? So you say we have more knowledge, but we also have a lot more perhaps um, anxiety uh, or we have a lot more mental health problems. Uh, one could at least imagine. I mean, I don't know now, the, and, and probably nobody knows the numbers of uh, mental health cases in the Middle mm -hmm. Ages or something mm -hmm. like this, or in ancient Greece. But we can imagine that in our society, with stress, with environmental destruction, with the problems of democracy, with the problems of social media, we, we actually have not really achieved a lot more happiness, all things considered, compared with people living in ancient Greece. How would you think about this? I, I'm not sure if we compare, that may be true if we compare like, um, you know, a Greek citizen, which is a free man, basically, um, um, to, you know, an average person today, maybe the free Greek citizen was happier. But also as a society, I don't think that's quite the case that society before was, you know, uh, a happier society necessarily. You know, ancient Greece, Greece was a highly unequal society. Obviously, women were excluded, they had slaves, so... Uh, they had some interesting ideas, obviously, but it's. I don't think we can say that this society was better overall. And I do think we have made progress today. And I do think societies are generally, at least Western societies, are much more inclusive of more people. And I think that is a good thing. So I don't want to say, well, you, you know, it was better before. I do think we've made progress, but we've made progress through a lot of trial and error and uh, and we have to pay for that as well. But I, I think there's some, some um, we're in a better place. I do feel like 
I don't know, maybe as a woman, just as a simple example, it's the best time to be alive, really, today in a Western uh, country, for example. It's better than it was 50 years ago. So, yeah. Okay. So perhaps we will, uh, next time, we will have the opportunity to see a few more examples of this and to talk about a few more concrete cases mm -hmm. i hope we will find a little more evidence of mm -hmm. whether it is actually better or what most people think about it but um so to to give a positive uh, also uh, evaluation of this moral relativism one reason to to believe in that or one reason to promote it would be that we then um would be more tolerant to, mm -hmm. towards other societies right i mean this is the main reason why people like to be more relativists uh why we you know especially as intellectuals or philosophers we have mm -hmm. this built-in respect of other opinions and we would like to be more relativists because then we don't get into the suspicion of you know being um exclusive or being you know uh having our own yeah. uh position as as the only right one and colonizing everybody else ethics with our own so this is a positive thing about it, isn't it? Yeah, I do think relativism or moral relativism comes from good intentions. The intention being, you know, tolerance and being respectful of people and not wanting to impose your your view, acknowledging that your view may simply be the result of your conditioning. Um, and and yeah, I think it's a, it's a nice sentiment, right? But I also think that this is um, there is a contradiction here. If we if we want to talk about that right now it's you know if you say that relativism is good because it promotes tolerance it means you think tolerance is good right and should be promoted and that's not a relativist claim that's actually a strong moral claim right the idea that tourism that tolerance is good and you know desirable and then we should do everything to do to promote it but if you hold the uh the claim that everything is relative to uh, whatever culture decides, then you can't say that because some countries don't think tolerance is a good thing. And so then you have to accept that as well on the basis of tolerance. And that, that is a paradox. So to me, this is enough to not completely dismiss relativism um, all the time because I do feel like there are cases where it's it's necessary or maybe even the only option. But it's it's enough to dismiss it as a general moral rule about cultures and, and societies. It just occurred to me that you could make the same argument about democracy. You could say mm -hmm. um, democracy also makes it possible for you to have a democratic decision about whether you want a democracy. And we could, you know, in principle, um, vote whether we want democracy. And it is conceivable that you know 80 percent of people might say we don't want a democracy so you make a democratic decision about abandoning democracy um this seems to be a, a similar kind of paradoxical outcome yeah uh, does this mean that democracy is flawed in this way does it mean that sometimes we should reject democracy because democracy cannot deal with the paradox of uh, removing itself uh, from the picture in the same way like this relativism argument or, or is there some difference between these arguments it's interesting um 
In the case of democracy, it's a little bit different because there can actually be a decision made and there's a, um, there's a timeline, you know? So you could maybe argue democracy is needed at, at time T, such that we get to decision. And then after that, we, we, we act differently. So maybe you could like compartment time in this way and say, well, we'll start with this democratic decision for once for this time. Uh, because right now this is the more the, the only pragmatic option we have, and then according to the result we'll see. And yeah, if everyone says uh, democracy is wrong, it sounds like a paradox, but maybe you can um, kind of like compromise here. I think because you do need this first decision, right? Um, in the case of relativism, it's a bit different because it's not about making decisions, really. It's make, about making evaluations that are supposed to be consistent. But so. they also lead to actions, don't they? I mean, in the end, the point of, of relativism or not relativism is also to give you some advice for your action. So if you're a relativist, you would say we should not um, invade Afghanistan or we should not, you know... Um, Uh, put sanctions on North Korea because uh, we accept that their moral system is as valid as ours, mm. while in the other case we would try to change their systems because we recognize yeah. that their systems are worse than ours. Yeah, it may lead to actions, that's true. Um, but there's a difference here between making an ev a moral evaluation and then other people deciding to act on it. So there's these are two different things, two different times when political action is not separable from, you know, the moment we take, we, we make the decision and then we try to see how to apply the decision. It's kind of like the same thing. It's political action. Um, so we could like keep our moral uh, relativist judgments for ourselves. Um, yeah. But it, it does often obviously lead to decisions. Yeah. So then we have these other problems of relativism. Um, Another criticism would be that we would allow, you know, all kinds of um, values then to be accepted in parallel to ours, uh, and especially values then that go against what we perceive to be um, these highest immutable human rights, for example. And we would accept that some countries violate human rights um, and, and have their own concept of human rights, and we wouldn't be able to defend mm. um, our own values. Uh, and, and the most prominent example probably we, we all would agree on is the Nazi Germany, mm -hmm. uh, because this is something, you know, for one, it's historical, so it's easy to talk about without offending anyone. For, for, for another reason, it's because it was so obviously, you know, bad that nobody would want to defend this. So, um, yeah, so what happens if we if we criticize it like this? I mean, we would be saying that there are some values that are necessarily, you know, valuable and they have to be accepted by everyone on earth. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the only way. I mean, what you're saying is that another very strong case around, uh, against relativism and you if you're relativist you can't criticize anything you can't say incest is wrong you can't say murder is wrong you know you can't say cannibalism is wrong like nothing um you can only say intolerance is wrong 
but that is also a problem. But um, yeah, not necessarily. I mean, some some um, choices. I think we must distinguish then, perhaps, between moral choices that are based on some kind of uh, factual truth. Um, or and, and moral choices that uh, are not based on some factual necessity in the same way. Mm-hmm. So incest, for example, uh, can be shown to be biologically a bad thing. It is mm-hmm. something that degrades your genetic material and that eventually leads to diseases and to individuals that are, you know, Mm-hmm. Uh, damaged and perhaps you know at some point uh, completely unable to to procreate so it is really something that leads to an objective biological damage uh, while things like you know respect for democracy or free speech cannot be shown equally uh, yeah. convincingly to lead to bad consequences in the long run but I also don't think we want to argue against the morality of incest on the basis that it would lead to, you know, the extinction of the species, because that's not what we're doing. It would, obviously. So you maybe that's the reason we have this thing ingrained in us, this idea that it's wrong and very little people will tell you it's not. Um, but I don't think we, def- we defend the idea that it's wrong on that basis. We say it's wrong for other reasons because it violates something that we think is valuable for us. You know, um, it's, it's some kind of moral taboo. It's something we, we are very uncomfortable with as, as individuals and as a society. Um, so, but it's not because of the biological aspect. I don't think I do think there's something else than that. What, what else would this be? I mean, if you say it like this, and especially if you call it a taboo, right? I think taboos are, are, are by definition not rational, right? They are um, some some blockage we have in our rational mechanism yeah, where but we, it, uh, we are not allowed rational. to talk about it without actually having any good reason why we don't talk about it. I so do think is, it was there... rational. That's also I, I don't think we can always evaluate morality in rational ways constantly. Like some things, I think may be instinctive, and we may not be able to rationally explain why. But they're still wrong. Incest is, is a good uh, example. Or, or then you may say, well, you know, it violates, uh, you know, the respect we owe each other, or you know, decency, or you could try to rationalize it in some ways. Um, then you can talk about, or the, obviously there's different types, but um, you know, consent and respect for people's uh, choices and um, this kind of thing, but. It's okay if we can't rationally explain all of our moral, you know, uh, evaluations. And may- maybe there are things that are um, just a matter of how we feel as a species, because there's probably a reason we all feel like it's it's a problem. Um, you know, I you could say it's the same for upsetting. violence. You can say it's the same for you know, cannibalism is also a good one. I find um, this very upsetting with um, 
the you know the your your point that we should accept as philosophers that our morality is not rational and that you know, I, you and, know and you I'm, mentioned you mentioned consent and and freedom of um, choice and so on and assuming I have mm -hmm. a case of uh, incest which uh, involves consent from all sides and it's a free choice and there there is no way how I could you know show that uh, there is any kind of pressure there. Uh, and still, you know, you would say that this is bad, although it fulfills all the criteria for, you know, yeah. free sexual expression. And I think that's um, a sign that sometimes uh, it's not just a matter of consent and, and mathematical uh, considerations or agreement or, or um, rationality. But, uh, yeah, I, I do. So, think. so then, what? I mean, then this is the end of uh, of logical. <laughs> no, it's, I don't in... think it's the end of it. I think it's actually the beginning of maybe another conversation about how we have evaluations that may not be purely based on cold rationality, but on other things that we need to acknowledge. And I do think, as philosophers and in general in the West, we've focused too much on rationality for everything. And we've omitted the fact that we're not just rational people, and we we have you know other things that um go through us we have emotions and, and sometimes we are irrational and sometimes we may be irrational in a praise praiseworthy way and sometimes not and and I don't think we can explain everything rationally and don't I don't think that's our job I think our job is to kind of like um see ourselves for what we we are and try to make the best decisions we can given the kind of flawed individuals we are and also the not merely rational individuals we are. But does this not now provide an escape for, um, let's say, Nazi um, criminals to say that, you know, you cannot justify morally why um, we did what we did? It is uh, something that we did that is out of the rational discussion of politics. There, there are no rational reasons. And um, killing six million Jews is just a thing like, you know, being against incest. It's something that uh, we had the spontaneous uh, urge to do, you know. And, and does this not provide now an escape there no. or a justification for I don't think so. Nazi actions? Because I'm not saying that anything that we feel we have the urge to do is justified or justifiable. Uh, quite the opposite. I'm saying, not like the case of incest, you could say it's not a rational decision. And it's also not necessarily a rational uh, decision to say this is wrong, right? We may not have like rational reasons to say that when you, for example, the case of consent. Um, and Maybe there are other things that we feel to our core are wrong without being able to uh, explain that. And, and, you know, we may say, you know, if you want to talk about Nazi Germany, you may say things like, uh, from a Nazi perspective, maybe it's very rational to do what they did, right? Um, they may come up with justifications like that. And you may... And I don't think it's enough to say to oppose your own rationality. I think it's stronger to actually say, no, this is wrong because you're violating some truth and some things that are sacred in a way, you know, that we hold very dear. And, and that's enough to, 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 to say, no, that that was objectively wrong.
But then you have to be a relativist again, because if you hold these things dear and some other society holds some other things dear, let's say the Nazis could hold their Aryan um, mm -hmm. non-mixing, you know, genetic material dear, mm -hmm. uh, then you are at a point where you cannot anymore rationally show that one of the two positions is superior to the other. So then you you have really become a relativist if you embrace this so. idea that we cannot non-rationally, you know, just say that we... No, I don't think so, because what I'm saying is that there are things that are true forever, like kind of objectively, and, and that's true for everyone. And that's not just a matter of rationality. I do think that if we hold on to rationality only to explain morality, it's actually quite difficult to get out of relativism because every culture can come up with their own rational decision and explanation for, for the things they do. Um, and then at the end of the day, it's all about, oh, well, I think this is right and or, or I don't, right? But then if we kind of agree that there's kind of a set of values Maybe it's a very Platonist idea, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. Um, like a set of values that kind of exist for everyone. Um, we can judge each behavior according to that um, and, and how close they are to these values. <clears throat> that's, not, that's not a relativist um, position. Yeah, so... so Basically, what I was saying is that I think if we want to fight relativism, um, we we can't really oppose rational systems, right? Because one will have a rational way to explain something and we will have another. Uh, let's say, I don't know, you're a utilitarian. That's a very rational way of thinking about things. You're a deontologist. That's also a very rational way of thinking about things. At the end of the day, well, they will disagree but they will disagree on the basis of what? Because if you dig into each of these systems, you will just hit a bottom where it's about what they value most. And it's not a rational thing. It's just a matter of preference. So one may value strict equality and think it's, you know, that is what matters. And one may value human dignity or something like that. So, at the end of the day, we're not really fighting rational systems. We're fighting values. We're fighting things we believe. I, I agree with that. But but this, um, you know, this is there's still a value in rationality despite this, because this means that we only have to agree uh, on a basic value. We only have to agree on wanting to maximize happiness, for example, or on. Um, you know, some some other value. And then from then on, we can use rationality to make sure that our choices are rational and they yeah. are aligned with this basic value. If you now say that um, whatever choices we make in ethics uh, do not have to be rational and they are just, you know, inspired by some um, something that I don't even, you know, can identify or justify, then this brings a lot more uh, chaos into ethics because we don't only have to agree on the basic value, we have to agree on all sorts of small things, you know, like, for example, whether incest is good or bad. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think, I don't think rationality, first of all, is to be dispensed with. I think it is very important, obviously. Um, but I think we all we have to all we have to do. What we're doing anyway is 
uh, setting a bunch of different values, right? I think the disagreement comes down to the fact that we're not sure about what's actually important. So we do actually like a set of objective values. Um, and may maybe that's that's the problem. The problem is that we're actually quite confused about what uh, should be the values we um, you know we defend. And then if we all agreed on that, we could then the rational justifications could differ in some ways, but like the, the, basically we would all um, agree. Um, but it could be, I don't know, it could come down to a lack of knowledge about what we actually should value uh, together as people. Okay. So, as so people. let me ask a more, a more concrete question, you know, about incest, because we talked about this. I think it's interesting because we all agree that there's um, this is something bad and we shouldn't be doing it. Mm. And there is a biological justification for it. But now we can assume that uh, we can construct a situation in which uh, it would not have any bad consequences uh, and in which it would be completely consensual. And we can, you know, you can say, okay, you have a, a grown-up, you know, child and uh, it lives separately from you in another household, it's financially independent. Mm. Um, you can make sure that now this relationship uh, will not um, produce any children, you know, you, you, can be, you can be sterilized or... You can make sure that, um, let's say, with with some kind of genetic manipulation, we can, you know, avoid all the negative consequences of this. Um, and so, if we make sure that there are no negative consequences, would then incest become tolerable morally, or would we still have this? Um, I think we would idea still have this problem. Would, I don't think why would we have it tolerable. Then? Why, why That's what I'm we... saying, because I think it violates something else than more rationality, right? I don't think it's a matter of rationality. I don't think it's a matter of outcome. I'm not a consequentialist also. I don't think morality is measured according to outcomes. So I, I do think this is an act that is wrong in and of itself, because it does violate uh, values that are in and of itself valuable things. I mean, precious. What, what values exactly? What does this violate now? In the case of incest, you can talk about some form of decency that we, that would need to be defined. You can talk about respect for you know the role that that you're supposed to have as a, you know members of a family. Um, you can talk about. I mean, it's difficult. Obviously, I've never really um, you know thought about what precisely is the the value that incest between two uh you know um uh consenting eight adults uh do but i don't know exactly what that is but i do think there's something else i don't think we can say that i don't think we can say it's okay okay so perhaps we have um you know a future topic let's here, say like um, that we can analyze <laughs> You think of Game of Thrones, for example, right? And the the, the love story between the, the brother and sister, uh, their twin brother and sister. Have you watched the show? I know, I, I have not. Haven't. But uh, well, anyway, I, I mean, there are many literary examples, right? Yeah. Of, of incest. I think everyone agrees that this is wrong. And we all, 
we were all very uncomfortable. Then we grew to like the characters and things, but I also well, some of them are quite evil. But anyway, we all agreed from the beginning that it was wrong and not a normal situation. And when I what I say by normal is that it's not in accordance with norms that we think should remain in place, even if they're you know they both agree and seem to be okay with that. It's 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 very complicated. I don't think we are doing it justice here because, um, for example, among um, kings, you know, these these um, real world uh, kings and queens and princesses uh, in Europe, incest has always been a thing, right? Because you are not supposed to marry anyone else mm -hmm. but your um, equally, you know, kingly uh, or queenly relatives, and so. Um, if you see, you know, all these um, uh, houses, uh, royal houses in Europe, they are all intermarrying all the time. And they, but that, that's they are not all cousins of each okay. other, right? No, there's no proof that it's okay, but it is uh, historically has always been accepted as okay. And even today, if you say that, um, uh, I don't know, some prince ex of England marries, you know, some um princess of Sweden, uh, you wouldn't feel like this is a bad form of incest, although perhaps technically it is not different from you marrying your cousin. But uh, if it's you and your cousin, people would look in a different way upon it, right? So it seems that we do occasionally accept incest, even in our value systems you know if it is if society tells us that this is now okay because these are kings and queens and they are allowed to do that yeah i mean sure the, also we kind of need to define incest i don't know if we want to go there but like obviously if the relative is like very very far if it's your first cousin it's maybe different than if it's your like you know a cousin is almost not a relative anymore um, but where do you draw the line? I don't know. Actually, interesting fact in France, marrying your first cousin is not against the law. It's not illegal. You can actually do that. Um, but you cannot marry your, let's say, your your stepfather, for example. Like if my mother remarried with, with a stranger, so I mean someone who's obviously not my family, I could not marry this person. That's against the law. So that's that's interesting. It's um, interesting. Yeah it's, yeah, it's interesting because it completely removes that biological uh, explanation yeah. from it. Yeah. Right? So it makes it even more irrational. Yeah. So well, anyway, obviously, law and morality may, may be different things, but uh, that, that's funny. Um, I thought one of your justifications was actually interesting. That was the thing about roles, right? That somehow mm. it violates the roles that we should have within a family. This sounds a little like Thomas Aquinas, who was talking about offices, you know, a particular being a parent is a particular yeah. office in the sense yes. that it's an official role that we have. Yeah. And um, I think the only way, the only time the question of whether incest could be morally justified is when it's between people of the same generation, right? Uh, if it's intragenerational, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously much easier to to explain why this is wrong because you have dynamics of power you have these roles the fact that you know 
Yeah, but again, back to back to our topic of relativism. I mean, these dynamics of power, which today we think are the reason why they should be wrong. In ancient Greece, this was the reason why it was good. So in ancient Greek ideal of love, you had the older lover and the younger lover. It was always, you know, an asymmetric relationship. Somebody was already established in society mm -hmm. and the younger lover was not established in society and it was an exchange of goods. goods but it's different because it's not the same family. No, it's okay. But now about the dynamics of power, you know, I'm, I'm switching the topic now. It's not incest, but the dynamics of power is another problem, right? Where you say mm -hmm. this, this was a problem. Yeah. And in ancient Greece, you had these dynamics of power actually as the desirable feature of a love relationship. Yeah. You had the powerful man having a powerless uh, boyfriend. And then he introduced the, the, the young person to its social circle. Mm -hmm. And so in this way, it, it gave a path to the young person to become yeah. part of a social circle of the already established older lover. Um, and in this way, this, these dynamics of power were part of, of, the, of what the relationship was supposed to be doing rather than being something bad. So this again makes a point about relativism, right? Today, we think that this asymmetric relationships of power are bad it depends. but then this was the um, feature people looked for i think it depends i don't think it's necessarily bad that there is some kind of dynamic of power as long as no one is being oppressed i don't think in this ideal greek kind of romance uh the, the young uh, man is oppressed necessarily uh obviously it could be a case-by-case -case thing But I think the problem we have today with power and age difference or like status difference is the fact that some may uh, take advantage of this asymmetry to hurt people, to dominate them. So, um, But that there is a difference in status and power could be okay. I don't think it's necessarily a problem. Yes. Which, which, which proves the point. I mean... Here you may say, well, the problem is when people hurt others in some ways, which is not a relativist claim. Yeah, but we tend to, I don't know, it seems it seems difficult because in, in society we tend to, you know, uh, blow up these things and make them more absolute than what we say right now. So now you said, you know, the problem is the hurting. The problem is not necessarily the power distribution. But we have um, a taboo, actually, right, in our societies um, on these unequal power relationships. And this does not only depend on the actual harm. It is a, a more general taboo. So if you are, let's say, a professor, you're not supposed to have a relationship with your student. Um, And this does not depend on the outcome. This seems to be a more absolute prohibition, right? That um, even if the student is happy with it, and even if you are happy with it, uh, you are still not allowed to do that. Well, uh, it depends, actually. Is it the case? I don't think it's the case in every places. I think it depends on age. I think it depends on institution. I don't know if that's really true. Um, In French universities, for example, I don't know if it's true that a professor cannot have a relationship with a student who's over 18. Um, yeah, so the, the, from the legal perspective, we need to check. Uh, I, what The thing is, well, we can't obviously control every aspect of everyone's lives, but uh, in the case, let's say it was illegal to do this and we wanted to morally justify this, you could say it's because there's a strong 
um, you know, risk of this turning into a relation of domination instead of simply a love story. Um, and that the dynamics of power and power distribution are too predominant uh, for a healthy relationship to emerge. Not This is not what I'm saying, because I think could, in many cases, not be the case. You may say it's the same for, you know, um, class or even if it um, cultures, right? You, you may say, you know, if that if we want to regulate things according to power, then we have to end up saying, well, you can't date someone who's not the same class as you or doesn't come from, who comes from a poor country if you're from a rich country. You know, like that doesn't really make sense. So I don't think we do. Yeah, although we have this stigma on, on these male male order brides, right? I think is the, the term for this. That's, where because, you that's because of the... That's because of the uh, relation of domination that that happens, that takes place, and not because there is one has more power than the other in general in life. It's about how they exercise that power on on the other. So if they don't actually do that, they treat the other as equal, and there's no problem. I don't think we consider it a, it a problem. But in the case of um, professor student, the risk is really high. But again, it's not it's not necessary. Okay, so um, we I think we what we can see from this is that uh, this is a complex discussion, right? I mean, this is almost <laughs> the case in philosophy. Yeah. There are many arguments from both sides, and and often it's like you say, it's not a rational discussion. I mean, it's a very often it's uh, prejudices we have or cultural values, uh, and this again would be probably a, th a reason to. To embrace moral relativism or not? I mean, let's let's finish somehow with um, with going back to moral relativism. So, what is um, your idea about what is right to believe about moral relativism? Obviously, we want to we want to um, keep up human rights. We we would like to say that human rights are universal and all countries should uh, respect them. But can we actually say this? Uh, are human rights really universal uh, or a particular uh, version of human rights? Or should we allow that different countries might have different conceptions of human rights? I think this is a bit difficult because it's a bit specific. Human rights as we see them in the West are very specific and I agree that sometimes they may, they, they've also been, you know, arbitrarily uh, chosen or like uh, articulated by, by people, right? So you may also question the validity of that. Um, so I think the things that we sh should see as objective truth should be a bit broader than specific human rights, should be a bit, you know, should be above all of that. They should be the things according to which we have come to the conclusion that there are moral rights, for example. You can think of, you know, forms or ideas in the way Plato does. Um, but generally, I think I reject relativism also because I don't think you can escape uh, committing to some kind of objective uh, truth about morality. And I don't think people who are relativist escape from that either. I think at the end of the day, everyone. Um, makes a moral commitment and uh, even if that is only the idea that 
relativism is the way. It is already a moral commitment. So I don't think you can, um, you know, run away from that. Right. So the, the moral commitment is one thing, but if it's a private commitment, then there's no problem, right? But now you're saying I make a moral commitment and I impose this on others. I mean, this is the problem with moral um What's the opposite of relativism, you know, universalism, perhaps, or absolutism, where I say that my values have to be embraced by everybody on earth. Um, and so this, again, has a colonial taste to it, doesn't it? I don't think we should see it necessarily as my values. Um, I don't think we should personalize the values in this sense. Of course, sometimes we do in the case of colonization, in the case of arbitrary decisions, in the case of cultural norms or traditions. Yes, these are more specific and related to individuals. But in the case of values, like these big, broad moral ideas that I'm kind of talking about, it's not a matter of my position that I impose on people. It's a matter of what is actually right. And it has nothing to do with me or anyone. It just is. So... If you're an objectivist, that's what you think. You think some things are the way they are. And some people are right in believing that. Some people are wrong if they don't believe in that. And mistakes can happen. You know, like people sometimes are wrong. Often they are wrong. And we, you know, we are all wrong at some point. So I don't think there's a problem in saying that someone is making a moral mistake. I, I think we need to finish now probably right yeah, with our um, an hour. with with our time uh, yeah. that this is supposed to take uh, but it is a complex topic and you see that we need to keep mm -hmm. talking about it a little longer perhaps and so next time we will uh, continue to talk about it and perhaps we will do it a little more um, with um, particular examples yeah uh, and uh, so uh, thank you for the moment thank you for listening and um, meet us again next week thanks everyone thank you see you next week okay bye 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 bye